the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, we are delighted, as we often do, most usually do on Wednesdays, to be joined by Congressman John Shagg. He uh, previously represented Arizona's 4th Congressional District, the old 4th Congressional District, and among other things, uh, was a leader of the House Republican Study Committee, and he is now the head of Shattuck Associates. Today we have John by phone. John, welcome back. How are you, sir? Hey, it's great to be back. With all these things happening in the country, uh, there's there's lots to de- be dealt with. Yeah, there is. Uh, and I don't know where you want to start. I'll, I'll let you pick. I had a list here that ran everything from a looming possibility of a shutdown. I have um, some news from the border, and uh, it's uh, it's not porous. It's open. Uh, it's openness. Uh, hearings uh, with uh, Merrick Garland in the House today, the United Nations session yesterday, any number of things or something I haven't even mentioned. Where would you like to start, sir? Well, I like all of those. Um, as you know, one of my favorite topics is the fact that I think Merrick Garland uh, should be impeached yes. and and that the House should be doing that before it tries to impeach uh, the president. Mm-hmm. I think he deserves to be impeached, but I think the Democrats you know, will literally fall on their swords to defend the president. I think they won't fall on their swords to defend Merrick Garland. And it seems to me Garland uh, is completely uh, susceptible of impeachment. I mean, here's a guy uh, who has not done his job. Um, He has not pursued any of the investigations that he was entrusted with. Um, And then he selects David Weiss the U.S. attorney for Delaware, the one guy in the entire nation who has proven that he cannot and will not investigate the scandals, the the bribery and or uh, blackmail that Hunter and Joe engaged in. And and Merrick Garland selects uh, the guy that's already proven he can't and won't investigate him. But I think the shutdown is an interesting topic. Um, shutdowns are extremely difficult to deal with because uh, people think they are draconian and disastrous. And the truth is uh, the government just pretty much goes on as it is. Uh, Workers don't work much less or much more than they do the rest of the time. And, oh, by the way, they get paid when it all ends anyway. Yeah. So how else can we prove to the American people that we have a spending problem in this country? Yeah. Yeah. They, the, the, the conventional wisdom tends to be, and you were part of this when you were in Congress, of course, the conventional te- uh, wisdom on shutdowns tends to be that Republicans tend not to fare well over them. Uh, this, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and this comes at a time that's far enough from an election that it, it, it may be it may be worthwhile to exercise that muscle. 
Um, there's also some wisdom, I think, in saying that they end up t- when when they are over, they end up costing more. So if it's a shutdown over the size of our deficit, I think it's fair to say they sometimes can have the they can have the uh, eventuality the eventuality of increasing the deficit. But there does seem to be what you said too, John, this need for a teachable moment about what the cost of our spending is and what we're going to do about it. Although, again, I don't know what the end game is because it's nothing that the people who are arguing for a shutdown can possibly find enough votes to support the kind of budget that they want. So it's it, there are several catch there are several tripwires here. I don't know if you can unwind them for us a little bit. Well, the tripwire that uh, I think you touched upon and that I happen to agree with and what would put me in uh, a category if I were there today that would not make the hard the hardest right happy is that it's really two things. It's number one, Republicans come out of them looking badly, no matter what. Yeah. And when you've got a thousand percent of the media already lined up to say Republicans are heartless, Republicans don't care about the needy, Republicans don't care about the hungry, uh, Republicans don't care about the bottom 10 or 20 percent of the population. It is no surprise that if Republicans bring about uh, a shutdown, the Democrats are going to just pound us to smithereens and we'll come out looking badly. So I, I don't think that it's the right tactic at the moment. The second reason that I would not support a shutdown at the moment is that I I think the answer is we Republicans have the hard sale. What I mean by that is I have a friend uh, who helped in my first election to Congress who said, look, at the end of the day, the Democrats are for giving people candy bars and the Republicans are for telling them they have to eat their broccoli. Yep. And we're right about eating their, their broccoli, and they're wrong about giving away uh, free everything. And they don't seem to ever care about the cost of giving away free everything. So uh, I think we need to make the case over time in advance of a possible shutdown. We need to educate the American people that, It simply doesn't make any more sense for a government than it does for an individual to go year after year, decade after decade, spending vastly more money than they're earning. Mm -hmm. And if that makes sense to you as a head of a household or uh, the co-head of a household, if you and your spouse realize, hey, when we first got married, we spent what we didn't have and it didn't work, then at some point, the argument that the government can't do uh, that itself makes sense. And, and I personally think we need to rehabilitate Republican credibility on uh, lower spending and uh, returning to the principles of a uh, balanced budget. If we believe in individual responsibility and self-responsibility, then we have to recognize that the same rule applies to government. Would you uh, would you make this a big issue? I, in fact, this is an issue I wanted. This is a question I wanted to ask you. 
as well. When you think about the campaign for 2024, the campaign for next year, would you make this an issue? I, I was revisiting the campaign that you first won national office on in 1994, surfing in on the uh, on the contract with America. And what's interesting about it is you go back and look at it. It wasn't what you might say particularly sexy stuff, right? It was about super majorities right. to pass tax increases. It was an honest accounting of the federal budget. It was an independent auditing firm to audit Congress on waste. Uh, it was a requirement of laws to apply equally from Congress to the rest. It wasn't a lot of, as I say, sexy stuff. But this stuff may be in its own right well, let me just extend the metaphor. It may in its own right, the kind of thing you're talking about with spending deficit and that sort of thing, it may have its own sex appeal. I think it does have its own sex appeal, uh, although, well, and, and I think uh, candidates for office always have to have uh, a vision of the future. Um, Reagan, I think, was extraordinary at this, and he called people to a shining city on a hill. And, and that makes you feel hope and optimism. And it says, hey, the country isn't gone. There is hope. There are other people who believe in us and who recognize that we are the greatest nation on earth. So um, I think Republicans in this cycle cannot be just against uh, Joe Biden. Uh, and I certainly don't think they can be just against his age. Uh, I think they have to have an agenda, and I think it can be a very basic ag agenda like you just said. I know a lot of my hardcore conservative friends aren't fond of John McCain, but John McCain had his own phraseology for the same thing, which was uh, you need to give yourself in, in life to something larger than yourself. Your life shouldn't be just about uh, the size of my house or the amount of money in my bank account. And he called on us, uh, you know, to do uh, more uh, and, and to find a cause bigger than themselves. I think people expect their leaders to inspire. And one thing you and I can agree on is that Joe Biden ain't never going to inspire anybody. Let me pick up on so, that. Yeah, no, let me take a quick break and pick up on that with you, John, if I might. It also gets us to what has become a, a very internecine and nettlesome argument within the party about abortion. And I want to talk to you about that, too. John Shadigan, I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman John Shadig is my guest. He is the head of Shadig Associates based here in Phoenix. He's with us by phone today. John, thanks for what you were saying, uh, Congressman. Thanks for what you were saying about this notion that we were always best when we had set our sights on something higher. Um, if you will, it's it's a combination of, of Reagan's optimism. Uh, it's a combination you, that you add John Kennedy's uh, imploring to not ask what uh, your country can do for you, but what you can do for it. Um, it's uh, including a serving of what Donald Trump would talk about when he would talk to the people who felt that they were no longer represented by these institutions and these callous, um, shall we say, government agencies that seemed to care more uh, about their own self-perpetuation than the people they were meant to serve. You put those 
kinds of things together. And it brings around to me an interesting debate I didn't think I would see, and I don't know if you've seen it. You talk to a lot of Republicans uh, and conservatives. Uh, but ever since Donald Trump's interview on Sunday on Meet the Press, I have received an unexpected, I won't say an inordinate, but I would say an unexpected amount, number of emails and some calls saying, well, maybe Republicans really do kind of need to moderate on this issue, that maybe this country really isn't where it was in 1984, 1985, or for that matter, 1994, 1995. And I have very strong views on this, and I'd love to share them with you uh, and toss them around with you. But the first one is this. Um, Kristen Welker on Meet the Press and every Democrat that's interviewed from Kamala Harris to Gavin Newsom on this, they're lying about their position on abortion and at and, and the fact that they— they, they they would support late-term abortions. They're all lying about this. And it tells me if they're lying about this, they're lying for a reason. And maybe it's that they know that the American people wouldn't actually stand for their position if it's brought in the light of day. And maybe we Republicans on, oughtn't be so quick to retreat on it. I gave a mouthful there, and I wonder if, if any of it made sense. I'd love your thoughts on it. Well, they're, they are, in fact, clearly lying. Uh, the the abortion lobby uh, full on favors abortion through literally birth. Yep. And somebody yesterday, I don't now recall. It doesn't come to mind who it was, but some Democrat leading Democrat said, "I don't know what that means." Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the recent comment of, "Can you define a woman?" They yeah. say, "No, I can't define <laughs> yeah. a woman." Yeah. Of course, you know what it means. Yes, uh, and not not only know what they not only know what it means, they know exactly what it means, and they know that it is in fact happening. Yeah. That in some instances, in some hospitals, and in some settings, uh, it is true that uh, people are being asked, women are being asked, uh, if they want to abort a child that has already been born. Yeah, and and it's interesting to me. Um, quite frankly, I think it raises one of the fundamental questions about today's politics, and that is, does where do we stand on truth? Do, do we actually uh, believe that truth matters anymore, or are we willing to accept that everybody lies, and, and we understand that all politicians lie, and therefore, if to make a point they feel ne- it necessary to lie, they can lie, and so they pretend uh, as in this debate they are doing, that we don't know what you mean by uh, ab- abortion after birth, and yet they fully know what it means. Um, I think Republicans need to show empathy. Um, unfortunately, that what we are doing on that issue at the other end is we have people who are, uh, we have candidates who are going out and expressing such a hard position. I get it that it's hard to compromise on life. If, if you believe something is life, you cannot say, well, you know, I can tolerate taking of a life at this point or that point. But everyone, I think, every average American understands what a an incredibly difficult situation that some people face uh, and how heart-wrenching 
groping with that can be. And yet uh, we have politicians and, quite frankly, male politicians who just jump out there and say it's horrific. And uh, anybody who could ever say they might even think about this is uh, a demon. Well, uh, that's an easy thing for somebody to say who's never been in that position. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, that, that is true. And and it does seem to me that there are ways, uh, as on any issue, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's illegal immigrants, whether it's any number of issues, uh, whether it's poverty, whether it's welfare, whether it is dramatic reforms that uh, are, are are about, you know, issues bigger than one's own, shall we say, immediate or self-interest or a lobby's self-interest, as you put it, in referring to the abortion law. There are ways to talk about it. And it also seems to me that, you know, Republicans uh, should not be so willing, however, to give up a central tenet of their moral positioning in this party. This was a party founded on moral premises, uh, specifically with regard to the issue of slavery. And really, quite honestly, if you go back and look at our first platform, it was not only slavery. It was actually, believe it or not, I know you know this, it was not only slavery. It was uh, it was polygamy. <laughs> the, the first Republican platform of 1856 called Slavery and Poly- Polygamy, Twin Relics of Barbarism. They were talking about Utah and, and, and some of the Southwest Territory at that I time. Think one of the, yeah. I think one of the principal threats facing the Republican Party is— the demand that it give up principles. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's and, right. and if you give up any deeply held principle, uh, then you, you're you really opening the door to giving up all principles. Yeah. So so if you agree to surrender one, then you put in, in, in question or in doubt uh, virtually all of them. And that's what we are in America, I think, which is uh, Americans have decided that there are that everything is relative, Yeah. Uh, that truth is not black and white, that there is no absolute right and no absolute wrong, and Republicans are w- willing to embrace the idea of just uh, a relativism or, or relativism itself, in which you say, well, um, you know, truth is what the majority thinks truth is as of today, uh, or truth is what is popular or truth is what you're pressured to believe is true. And once you get there, I don't think there's, uh, I, I don't think you can have a, a democracy, uh, and I don't think you can have a, a government that uh, respects individual freedom or property rights. So interesting. So interesting. I want to talk about that and pick up on that with you, because... Yes, I, I'm going to put it to you uh, uh, squarely this way when we come back from the break, which is if people say, well, you should give up on X or you should give up on A or give up on Y or give up on B for the purposes of winning elections, it seems to me the natural response, John, would be elections that we win to then do what? Having given up yeah. those things. Yeah, let me pick up on that What's with you when we point? come right back. John Shattig is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Congressman John Shattig is my guest, uh, head of uh, founder and president of Shattig Associates. Uh, if you uh, think you may have a problem with the government, if you do have a problem with the government, if you had a problem with the government, he uh, at Shattig and uh, his associates are there for you. Uh, John, making the point, we get 
from time to time issues of the month or issues of the quarter or issues of the year that people will say, well, if Republicans would just, you know, soften or not lead with or even change their mind about. And often we get these from Republican consultants and Republican voters, members of the Republican Party, so that they can win elections. It seems to me the natural reaction is and then win the election to do what? What is the point of winning an election if we're not about implementing the policy and if we are, in fact, a two-party system or a system that does have beliefs separate and different from the party we're running against? I, I think it's a hit the nail on the head, and I think it's, it's the wrong question. And let me explain that. Um, lots of times you'll get advice um, to soften your position, we'll say, on a particular issue. And I, the reason I think that is a false premise is because if you give up on principles, then, as you said, what are, what, what's the point? What I do think you can do uh, was illustrated to me in my first campaign. Uh, in my first campaign, um, I, in the general election, ran against a woman. And uh, after winning the primary... Uh, my Democrat opponent was a very bright, very articulate lawyer. And I had to appear uh, and debate her in front of the National Association of Women Business Owners. Oh, my dear. So I, <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly Better you I than thought. me. Okay. <laughs> How do I do this? Yeah. So I called a, I called a woman, member of Congress, whom I had met and, and admired, and I asked her, you know, how do I handle this? And she said, well, John, um, my best advice is that, number one, women are, in fact, different than men. And it was her belief, and I kind of think it's accurate, at least the first half of it, uh, and and more so even the second half of it. But her, her belief was men will accept simply an answer. So they ask you about foreign policy and you flat state the answer. Or for that matter, they ask you about welfare reform or they ask you about abortion. And if you say, I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice, they get it. But women, she explained to me, view the issues differently. They want to know you as a person and they want to know that you have thought the issues through. So she said, if you're in front of an audience that includes women, you need to not just give a blunt answer to the question, you need to explain why you believe what you believe or what the basis is for what you believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea is to let them know that you are uh, genuine and sincere and thoughtful, and then you don't just throw out uh, kind of the first blunt answer that comes to mind. and and that if you at least demonstrate that you, for example, on the issue of, of abortion, you understand the incredible, incredibly difficult circumstances in which it arises. You understand that it is largely confronts women uh, in a completely different and exclusive way than it confronts men, mm-hmm. that it has to go with it, it relates to their uh, 
empowerment or their ability to control their own lives. Mm -hmm. And you need to walk through and explain that those are not insignificant things, mm-hmm. and, they, and they go to the issue of equality. Mm-hmm. And then you need, if you're pro-life, to go through an explanation of why you believe what you believe and where that uh, basis comes from. For me, for example, I had to explain that I can't get my mind around any concept other than that life begins at conception. Hold, hold that and thought. So hold that thought, because the sincerity thing matters, as well as the thing you said about the studious part of it, too. I, that, I think you're on to something big there, and I want to bring up a little history on that. John Shattig and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Shattig is my guest. We were talking about this abortion issue and the Republican Party. It's going to be with us. I mean, it's it's never not been with us, uh, seemingly, at least since uh, 19, uh, 1973, 1974. John, you put your finger on something really interesting when you said the way men talk about it. Men will be running on the Republican ticket, after all, various uh, races across the country, including the top of the ticket, likely. Um, and you said female voters, even perhaps if they're not completely on the same side of you in the pro-life, pro-choice debate, they want to see, and even if they are inclined towards the pro-life debate uh, side of the debate, they want to see a studiousness and not a callousness about it. Uh, there are few Republican men that I can think of that were as studious on the issue as Ronald Reagan. I mean, you see it in his diaries, you see it in his radio commentaries, you see it in his correspondences, you see it in the book he wrote while president on abortion. And indeed, this man who clearly thought very much about it and spoke very um, uh, sincerely about it and did not back off of it, won a majority of women in the 1984 election. And we've really never done that way with women ever since, have we? I don't think so. Um, I never, I had never heard uh, this line of argument that you need to show that um, you you understand and have thought through the issue and realize that it's uh, a major concern. Um, I've never heard anybody else. Uh, talk about that and explain that it was an important part of uh, of, of demonstrating that you understand the issue from uh, not a simplistic point of view, but from a uh, thoughtful or concerned yeah, no, point of view. Yeah, yeah, thoughtfulness, right. Yeah, thoughtfulness. And, 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 and so I, I think there's a lot of guidance. I think there's a lot of guidance to be had there. And 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 I know of a particular case of someone, a uh, mutual friend of ours, who was speaking, uh, who's running uh, for office as a as a as a strong uh, pro-life uh, Republican, who had a meeting with a uh, moderately pro-choice uh, Republican, and she said she will give him her support because she admired how sincerely and thoughtfully he talked about it. She just respected that he was sincere and thoughtful about it, that he actually cared about the issue. This wasn't coming from a position of hate so much as love. That's right. Um, um, You're not going to you can't won't necessarily win over uh, um, everyone. uh, And you might not 
win over a majority, but you at least demonstrate that you have uh, that that you are not callous, that you have thought the issue through, that you do reason your way to your decisions, and let's face it, not many voters vote on the basis of a single issue. Right. Uh, they most of them say to themselves, "Look, I you know I want to know if I can trust this candidate." And by demonstrating that you've thought it through um, and given it some consideration, you you have kind of shown to them that you can, in fact, reason and do reason yourself to your positions. uh, And therefore, um, that you can uh, be trusted by somebody who's looking for a candidate they can trust. And and when, particularly when male candidates, when men... And in the last cycle, a whole bunch of men on the Republican side made very callous remarks about this. Uh, all this you know, you, anybody that ever consider any view other than uh, the absolute hard uh, right-to-life position uh, is evil, well, they turn off people before those people even yeah. have a chance to think about them. Yeah. Uh, the, the listener says, this is not a person who understands what's going on here. This is just a person who's heard some dogma and is going to repeat that dogma. And it applies to lots and lots of issues. So let's sp- speak about a couple other issues, uh, because uh, two that keep coming up, uh, and I wonder if uh, if you think they, they are ripe for the 2024 election or not, uh, are crime and also uh, immigration. Let me. Uh, do, do, are you uh, are you are you familiar with um, or friendly with Kwong Win? He's the chairman of the uh, House Judiciary Committee here in Arizona at the state legislature, and he wrote. Um, let me read you this. I occasionally receive reports from a friend who works at the border. I received a series of texts, and I have a per- I have his permission to post this. It's out of control down here. The Border Patrol agents were told to cease all law enforcement operations. No arrests allowed. They are all processing and transporting aliens now. They are dropping off aliens all over town at shopping centers. The Tucson sector is averaging 12,000 apprehensions a week, and that is just the give-ups. There are no agents in the field, so all aliens not giving up are just freely walking north because there are no agents working in the field. The trail cameras across the state are going off nonstop with groups, and no agents are allowed to respond. It's gone, and we lost. That's pretty strong. Very strong. And very accurate. The issue of whether there is a flavor for this in the 2024 campaign, it's got to be, right? There's got to be an issue of this being made, right? This is an issue about which I am completely stunned. Um, I think what it illustrates is how much power the media has. I don't believe any American who in the last year or two years uh, watched five episodes uh, on immigration on Fox News could support what the president is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, a few years back, uh, a uh, one of the leaders in this fight, or hard hard over people in this fight, wrote a book called uh, Invasion. Mm-hmm. And I thought then that that was an overstatement. Yeah. Um, I think now it is, in fact, 
an accurate characterization of what is happening. We are being invaded, and I can understand the humanitarian side of it, okay? Uh, If you want to go out and make sure that people don't die of thirst in the desert, I get that. But, But they should still be arrested, and they should be held, and they should be returned. Yep. And I don't think there's a middle ground there. Now, that doesn't mean that that those of us who believe what I believe don't have to explain why the rule of law requires that and why you cannot have a nation that has no border or no control of its border. But this is not a debatable issue. You cannot a, a nation cannot simply allow whoever wants to come in to come in. Uh, and yet that's what we're doing. And I am. I have to tell you, it's an issue on which I am shocked yeah. that the American people haven't reacted more strongly and that, quite frankly, the president hasn't been impeached over it. Yeah. It's just it is stunning. Well, we're back to where we were in 1964. It is time for a true choice and not an echo. You always give us that, John. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Godspeed. And we'll talk to you next week. I'm Seth Leibson. and I'll be back with a final thought. Portions of the show brought to you by the good people at Y-Refi, headquartered here locally. They invite you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. They won't ask you to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. Y-Refi has a uh, an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio. No fees. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. And if you are concerned about stock market volatility or interest rates, um, the investment is not correlated to the stock market market or the Federal Reserve. Uh, it's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and no penalty if you need your money back at any time. Why Refi is a due diligence proof firm, and you can earn up to a ten point two five percent rate of return. That's right, a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. That's 888-YREFI-24. Tell them I sent you. Really good guys over there. Really good group. Why are you looking at me like that? Looking at you like what? You're looking at me. You've stolen all my reads. None of them are here, and you're giving me a weird look. And and you destroyed my naval observatory clock. I, I destroyed our naval. Well, did you ever consider that time may have stopped at the naval observatory? <laughs> right. You know who lives there, right? Uh, Santa Claus. No. no. Oh wait, the vice president. Yeah. Right. Yes, I do know that <laughs> not, one. Not, yes, yes. Not yeah. not not quite Santa Claus. Although I guess they both have a laugh, don't they? A signature laugh. And, and they both tend to tend to disappear. And they both <laughs> yeah, yeah, tend yeah. to disappear for long. Uh, yeah. That's, they also both bring coal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can. They can. Yeah, one of them can. One of them can. Be interested in bringing cold anybody? You know, one of them always does, and one of them will yeah, do yeah, if yeah. you don't behave. One of them. Yeah. All right. Well, we've probably stretched this as far as it can go. Uh, uh, huh? Yes. But um. Yeah. Right. Can you get my clock back? And can you get me all my reads back that you've absconded with? You've pilfered. Don't be impudent. Oh. Don't add impudence to your refractory character or your recalcitrance my recalcitrance yeah or your yeah yeah um 
Mark Levin. Oh, gosh. Speaking of all this, uh, I forgot. Mark Levin is coming up in the next hour. He has a brand new book out this week, The Democrat Party Hates America. And I um, often I don't get a chance to read new books coming out. Uh, I couldn't wait to read this one, uh, especially seeing how Mark was talking about it on Twitter and on his show. And I'm telling you, I read it, and you're not going to want to miss it. So don't go away. We have a lot more coming up, including the great Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.